Sins of the Flesh A Good Omens Fic Written by Noodle Frog and read by Literarian Chapter 2 Sexy Sea Anemone There were two doors on the upper level of Aziraphale's bookshop, and each had a similar sign written on old, yellowed paper affixed to outside. One said, keep out, and the other said, employees only. Both messages scrawled in the same angelically tidy penmanship. The door that said, keep out, led to Aziraphale's storage room, the place where he kept all the books that he didn't want humans to stumble across. Beloved personal favourites, cursed tomes, treaties on actual magic, and other things of that nature. The second door, the one that said employees only, was the door to the good storage room. It contained similar types of books to the regular storage room, but it earned its role as the good storage room as a result of the fact that it also contained a bed. A person who wasn't Aziraphale might be tempted to call such a room a bedroom, but as the good storage room was part of Aziraphale's shop, the angel's preferred nomenclature was the only one that mattered. Besides, the difference between a room with a bed and a bedroom could be as vast as the difference between having sex and whatever Aziraphale was currently calling what it was that he did with Crowley. The euphemisms the angel used changed frequently, adapting to his own shifting needs and fears. Sometimes, Aziraphale described their actions as lending a hand where needed. Other times he called it research into the human condition. When he was feeling cheeky, it became bringing his enemy to ruin. Crowley's favourite description had to be wrestling with the dichotomy of good and evil. After hearing Aziraphale calling it that for the first time, Crowley'd had no choice but to commission a statue on the theme. It was, unsurprisingly, heaven's fault that they couldn't just call their bedroom a bedroom, just like it was heaven's fault that they couldn't call the sex they were having sex. Still, that was hardly any issue. A name was just a name, and Crowley knew well enough that you could change those whenever you needed. What mattered most wasn't what something was called, but what it was, especially when it was someone else forcing the naming. In the end, it didn't matter if it was a bedroom or a room with a bed. After the hurdles of figuring out how to fuck without having sex, it was easy enough to make the good storage room be everything they needed it to be. The bed had already been upstairs when Aziraphale moved into the bookshop, left there by the previous owner, and that was the only reason he'd been allowed to get one at all. If a bed had spontaneously turned up one day, or if, heaven forbid, which it definitely did, Aziraphale ever asked about getting a bed, they would have been suspicious. Since it was assumed that Aziraphale neither fucked nor slept, they considered it an innocuous piece of furniture and let it stay. As far as heaven knew, Aziraphale never used the thing for anything more than piling books on top of it, which Aziraphale did also do, but sometimes he moved those books off onto the floor and did other things on the bed too. After all, a horizontal surface was a multi-purpose thing, especially if it was a padded horizontal surface. Originally, the mattress had been stuffed with something horrible. Horsehair or maybe straw, something that made Crowley sneeze. But Crowley had been swapping it in for a new model every decade or so, 
ever since he tempted the building's previous owner to act on his secret desire to move to America and abandon his old life and his old furniture. Currently, the mattress was made of memory foam. Even though the blankets that topped it were two centuries old, ugly and threadbare, the bed itself was incredibly comfortable. As an additional comfort to Aziraphale's peace of mind, it had also been bombarded with so many silencing miracles over the last 200-odd years that it probably broke some of the laws of physics by now. Still, it was worth it for Aziraphale to be able to throw a little bit of angelic strength around while they were lying on it and not have the bed make so much as a squeak. Once Aziraphale had backed them up against the door to the good storage room and they'd fumbled their way inside and locked the door behind them, Crowley kicked his shoes off and threw himself down on the edge of that bed. Thankfully still barren of books after their rather frantic meeting that night the Antichrist was born. Aziraphale didn't follow him down. As he often did, Aziraphale hung back a few paces, looking kiss-drunk, disheveled and beautiful, and waited for Crowley to give him a hint of how to proceed. Holding the briefcase in his lap, Crowley drummed on the lid with his fingers under Aziraphale's patient gaze. Aziraphale, he knew, would wait for the remainder of time for Crowley to get his shit together and speak, which was very polite of him, but the stalling was starting to become hell on Crowley's nerves. He still didn't really know how exactly to do this next bit without just giving up and waving fistfuls of silicone around, but he figured that was probably alright as a B option. Option C would probably be pulling a dildo out from behind Aziraphale's ear like a rude coin trick, but knowing Aziraphale, the angel would probably clap for him, and that would be more than Crowley's tenuous grip on his own coolness could withstand. I brought a few different options, Crowley said, setting the briefcase down on the mattress beside him. I do like it when you show me options, Aziraphale mused. He stepped just a little closer, eyes on the case, and although Crowley made sure to have left him plenty of room to sit, he still didn't. Aziraphale just hovered by the foot of the bed, hands fluttering for a moment before he tucked them behind his back. It had looked like they'd been about to fidget, but Aziraphale refused to let them. I know you do, Crowley said pausing too. But, you know, we don't have to do this right now. Or ever. Aziraphale shook his head. He looked like he was stealing himself. I want to. Show me what you brought. Crowley opened the case, laid it flat on the bed with all its contents on display. When Aziraphale didn't say anything at first, Crowley wiggled his fingers and said, Ta-da! They are different, Aziraphale began. Different than what you usually bring, I mean. Well, what I usually bring is, well, stuff from my own personal collection. Mine are all very... Crowley trailed off, gesturing with his hands in a way that communicated little beyond the idea of a vaguely phallic shape. Aerodynamic, Aziraphale guessed. Black and shiny. High-tech. Shaped more like the Hugo Award than any actual human genitalia. I was going to say that they're all very me, but you know what? I think you get the picture. 
Crowley fiddled with one of the dildos in the case. But as these were going to be for you, for you to wear for a bit, I mean, only temporarily, of course, rules being rules and such. But I thought it might be... Uh, I thought you might like having something that was a little more you than it was me. Crowley, that's very... Aziraphale began, then cut himself off with a smile. He knew well enough that angels weren't the only ones who had things they couldn't let themselves hear. I meant to say that I'm impressed with your foresight here. The level of detail present in your scheming. Is that why this one is so... lifelike? Nodding, Crowley plucked one of the dildos out of its form-fitting slot in the foam lining of the briefcase. Yeah, it's supposed to be one of the most realistic ones on the market. Accurate down to hair follicles and veins, just sized up a bit. He turned it around in his hand to show Aziraphale, then passed it to the angel so he could feel the weight of it in his hand. The angel's eyes went wide a little bit, feeling the heft of it, but he didn't make the obvious comment. Not yet, at least. It feels very similar to skin, Aziraphale admitted, stroking it with a thumb. Crowley would be a liar if he said the sight wasn't doing anything to him. I imagine if... If one were to wear such a thing on a harness, visually speaking, of course, there might be an illusion that it was... Well... Attached. Maybe so, Crowley said softly. But you like illusions, right? A bit of sleight of hand never hurt anyone. It would just be a trick of the light. No rules broken. Aziraphale was looking a little nervous again. He passed the realistic dildo from hand to hand then nodded at the second one in the case. Why is that one so blue? Opposite reasoning, Crowley said, taking the other dildo out as well. It was sky blue and abstract, gently tapering, but mouth-wateringly thick around the middle. Even if someone put it in a harness, no one would ever think it was attached to the person wearing it. It's bright blue and obviously made of silicon. There's no no work involved with keeping the mental distance up. Once again, Aziraphale stared at Crowley like there was something he wanted to say, probably something cloyingly sweet, but he held his tongue. Instead, he gestured at the rest of the items nestled in the briefcase and asked, what are those? Ah, yeah, right, so these, Crowley said. He set the blue dong aside so he could wiggle two thick tubes out of their slots, then tilted them to show Aziraphale their ends. These are sleeves. Wasn't sure what exactly you might be interested in doing if we did this, so I brought... Options. Aziraphale finished, eyeing up the sleeves. I followed the same aesthetic principles as I did with the dildos. One of them is a pretty accurate facsimile of a vulva, inside and out. The other one, well, from my perspective, I imagine it would probably be like it was sticking my cock into a sea anemone. Presumably minus the subsequent envenomation, Aziraphale said as he stuck his finger into the orifice at the end of the more abstract of the sleeves. This one was purple and had no external structures that would mark it as a particular human body part. Its only features were a tight, stretchy hole and an interior canal lined with countless soft little nubs. 
I can envenomate it if you like, Crowley said and laughed. Somehow it came out low and almost breathy. It is a very sexy sea anemone, after all. Might be nice to get the full experience. Crowley's breath caught as Aziraphale began to thrust his finger in and out of the toy, rubbing against the nubbly walls. It had been this toy Crowley had practiced on yesterday when he'd been testing this theory on himself, trying to see if he really could push a part of his awareness into a lifeless hunk of silicon. By now, it was fully inert again, and all his infernal nerve endings were back where they belonged, but even without real sensation, just the sight of Aziraphale fingering something that used to be connected to him was definitely doing things to him. So much for mental distance. You've brought me so many wonderful things to choose from, Crowley, Aziraphale said, still stroking the inside of the sleeve. But what do you want? You, Crowley thought. He did not say as much out loud. Instead, Crowley ran that thought through a complex and now mostly reflexive series of mental filters in order to say something that Aziraphale could hear without feeling nervous. Like I say all the time, I'm not picky. It all feels good. Pick something you like, and I'll enjoy it. At last, Aziraphale sat down on the edge of the bed spine straight, the briefcase lying open between him and Crowley. He picked up each toy in turn and deliberated over it in silence. Crowley wasn't sure what Aziraphale was using to make his decision, but it seemed to be a very thorough process. One by one, he dismissed them all slotting them safely back into place in the embrace of soft, black foam. In his hand, he held the victor, the abstract dildo. That the one? Crowley asked, leaning over the briefcase to nudge Aziraphale with his shoulder. Mm-hmm, Aziraphale hummed. He still seemed tense, his fingers squeezing into the sky-blue silicone as he pressed his fist into the meat of his thigh. Even still, he leaned into Crowley's touch, rigidly at first, but then he slowly settled his head on Crowley's shoulder. I've been curious about that one too, Crowley murmured into Aziraphale's hair. Good choice. It's a little big, isn't it? Aziraphale observed, putting his thumb and finger around the widest part to demonstrate the girth. Both of the dildos you brought are on the wider side. I didn't take you for a size queen. Crowley laughed against Aziraphale's scarf amused by the note of cattiness that crept into his angel's voice at the end. That was a promising sign. Aziraphale was usually only a brat like that on nights he was feeling more confident. Still, Crowley did not explain the reason why he'd opted for bigger toys this time. I can shrink it if you want, Crowley said. You're the one who's going to be fitting into it. Or a little bit of you will, at least. It should feel like it fits right. Aziraphale buried his nose into the side of Crowley's neck, breathing deeply. I might be fitting into it, but it will then be fitting into you. The angel paused. I wouldn't want to hurt you. You won't. Crowley promised, touching the silicon right beside Aziraphale's finger. 
Lube and patience go a long way. You've got one of those things, he said, moving his hand to tap a bottle tucked into a slot in one corner of the briefcase. And I did remember to bring the other. Good, Aziraphale said dryly. Because the only thing else I have in the shop is a little mostly empty jar of petroleum jelly left over from... Oh, probably one of the world wars. It was the first world war, Crowley said and kissed his angel's forehead. And I know that because I was the one who forgot it over here. It's all right, Aziraphale said with a sigh, rocking back to rest on his elbows. I tucked it into an emergency medical kit and no one was ever any the wiser. He looked up at Crowley, then down at his own lap. Did you, um, happen to also bring the harness? I brought both. Wasn't sure which one of us you'd want to be wearing something, precisely. There's a little zipper thing over here, Crowley said, opening a pouch that slipped beneath the foam lining. He felt his hand around inside, pushing aside the leather straps and metal buckles of his own strap-on harness in favour of Aziraphale's softer model. The angel preferred a style of harness that resembled a pair of knickers more so than it did something someone might use to go rock climbing. They were satiny white, trimmed with bows and lace, and a great deal more tightly fitting than any of the museum-quality underthings Aziraphale wore on a daily basis. Crowley, for his part, loved them, especially because they seemed to set Aziraphale's mind more at ease, too. The only clue that they weren't standard-use clothing was the pocket in front with the O-ring. As Crowley passed Aziraphale his harness and began to pack up the briefcase, a thought occurred to him. Hey, he said, and looked over at the angel. Aziraphale was holding the harness in one hand and the dildo in the other, staring at them as though in a trance, but he looked up at the sound of Crowley's voice. Would you feel better about this if I used one of the toys too? What do you mean? Aziraphale asked him. Well, this is kind of a brand new thing. We could start small, work our way up. You could put a little bit of yourself in this one, Crowley said, gesturing at the blue dildo in Aziraphale's hand. And I could put a little of me in one of the sleeves. That way it would be, well, silicon on silicon, not, you know. Silicon on flesh? Aziraphale asked, and Crowley shrugged. We have done that variant before, a number of times. I've used toys on you, you've used toys on me. He paused and then sighed. Huh, but you are right. It hasn't ever been quite like this will be. There's no rush, Crowley said, resolutely ignoring the sound of the doomsday clock ticking louder and louder inside his own mind. The bloody earth could burn before Crowley would push Aziraphale into something before he was ready for it. Bit of information I picked up during the testing phase of this plan. Silicon doesn't have a refractory period. If it turns out you like this, well, we could try again. Aziraphale looked at the ceiling for a long moment twisting those silky knickers in between his hands. He cut his eyes towards Crowley and asked, his voice tight and threaded through with shame, Would... would you mind it? If I possessed one of the sleeves? Crowley asked. No, wouldn't mind that at all. 
It feels a bit like a... Like I'm shirking something here, Aziraphale said. You went to all the trouble to figure this plan out. I'm always getting into trouble and planning plots, Crowley told him with an easy grin. It's a hobby, not a hardship. But you did work to find all these toys for us, and this way we'll be using twice as many of them as we would have otherwise, Crowley said, cutting off another attempt of Aziraphale's to talk himself out of respecting his own comfort zone. Listen, you're not shirking anything, all right? All of this, all of what we've done for the last thousand years, it's all optional. If you ever don't want to do something, we don't do it. It's that simple. But I do want it, Aziraphale said with a groan, dropping off his elbows to lie flat on his back on the bed. He covered his face with his arms, voice muffled behind his own skin. That's the problem. I very much want to do this. I want it to be you, not a sleeve, and instead of a dildo, I want it to be... The angel cut himself off before he could admit to the rest. Crowley set the briefcase on the floor, still open, and laid down on the bed next to Aziraphale. Saying not yet isn't the same as saying no, he said. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. This isn't the kind of one-time-only deal here, some kind of decision you get locked into. You could try it with the sleeve first, and if you like it, then you can try it with my... Without the sleeve. You're allowed to change your mind later, as many times as you need. I know that, Aziraphale said, peeking out from behind his arms. It seems like the two toys option sounds more like what you're up for tonight, Crowley said, raising his eyebrows. Aziraphale closed his eyes and nodded. Cause going back downstairs, drinking wine and putting a record on is also an option for tonight. As is me just heading back to my flat and giving you time to think. Aziraphale sighed heavily. <sighs> I, I do want to try something, he said. I just worry it will not be as good for you as it could be. As he spoke, the volume of his voice dropped so low that Crowley doubted he would have understood Aziraphale at all if it weren't for his own better-than-human sense of hearing. It's going to be a new feeling for me too, Crowley said. I mean, I tested it enough to know that I'm capable of putting feeling into silicon and that it feels good when I touch it. But you touching it? That's a whole new thing. Why would I pass on trying something like that with you? It sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. I just... Aziraphale said, turning his head away. I just wish I could stop being a coward about all of this. No, don't say that, Crowley said, pushing himself up on one elbow so he could lean over nearer to Aziraphale. You're not a coward. This kind of thing takes courage, and a lot of it. She hasn't made a braver angel than you, not before you or since. Though Aziraphale's face was in profile, Crowley could see he was scrunching his brows in tight. Then, bit by bit, he seemed to force himself to relax. I bet you say that to all the angels, he joked weakly. Just the pretty ones. Crowley joked back, then leaned down to kiss Aziraphale's forehead. 
just the brave ones. Aziraphale huffed out a shaky laugh and opened his eyes to look up at Crowley. Ha! <laughs> I'm worried it's... that it's going to look silly. What will? Us. This. Aziraphale's hands twitched like he was tempted to explain himself with a gesture, but resisted. He made a face and instead said, Sticking one toy in another toy. It sounds silly describing it. Nobody is going to see it but us, Crowley promised. And besides, I don't think it's going to look silly. No, Aziraphale said, raising his eyebrows in challenge. No, not at all. I was thinking, maybe we could lie right there. Right where you are. Crowley picked up Aziraphale's hand, the one still clutching the toy. He positioned the angel's arm so that he was holding the dildo right over his groin, bright blue silicone jutting obscenely from his fist. Then Crowley moved to straddle him, the denim of his jeans pulling tight against his legs and making quiet sounds of friction against Aziraphale's coat. He brought his hands down to encircle the tip of the dildo and leaned down until his mouth was brushing the shell of Aziraphale's ear, which he noticed had gone a bit pink. Crowley whispered, And I could be right here, taking care of you. I could move my hips too. Be like I was riding your cock, I think. It's a nice thing to imagine, you know. No harm in a fantasy. But like this, I could touch you and kiss you and... Well, anything else you'd like. Aziraphale's mouth had drifted open and he seemed to realize as much when Crowley leaned away again because he shut it in a hurry. His face was burning. I, I stand corrected then, Aziraphale said, his tongue flicking out to wet his lips as he swallowed. Point very much taken. What would you like to do now, Angel? Crowley asked him. Can we, can we try it? Aziraphale asked in turn, his eyes wide. Sure, clothes are for on. That turned out to be another decision point for him, but one that Aziraphale seemed able to answer more quickly for himself. I think I'd like to... to have something of my own on, but I wondered if you might... Uh... I can be naked. Crowley said, sliding off of Aziraphale's waist so he could stand behind the bed and start stripping off. Can I... can I touch you while we... <clears throat> Aziraphale cleared his throat. I mean, can I touch your... your body with my hands? Of course. I have a cunt right now. Because these trousers are too tight for anything else without risking losing circulation, Crowley said, waving a hand in the vicinity of his groin. But I can change to a cock just as easily. What do you want to get your hands on, Angel? Aziraphale nodded, a bit of tightness around his mouth. You should wear whichever is most comfortable for you. Sorry. Crowley said immediately. I didn't... I wasn't trying to rub it in. No, no, it's fine, I'm... Aziraphale began, then exhaled heavily. <sighs> I truly am happy that hell didn't, uh, insist on changes to your corporation. I'm glad for you that you still have that freedom, even if there are other freedoms you don't have. 
Crowley leaned down and kissed him. It's a shit hand we got dealt, but we're both playing the game through to the end anyway, huh? And beyond the end, if we manage to play those cards right, Aziraphale added, then pushed himself upright on the bed. Privacy? Crowley asked, because he knew on nights when Aziraphale needed the barrier of clothes, he could also feel a bit weird being watched as he took off the outer layers. It's silly. It's been a thousand years, but... It's not silly. Please? Aziraphale asked, sheepish. Crowley kissed him again and turned away starting to peel off his own outer layers. All of his clothes ended up on top of one of the stacks of books in the room. There wasn't really any other furniture besides the bed in the good storage room, so the books often pulled double duty. You know, they have posters up downstairs talking about it, Crowley mused, pulling his shirt off over his head about how hellish agents are allowed to make an effort? Aziraphale asked from behind him. He gave a humorless chuckle and added, I can imagine it would make for stirring propaganda posters. Uh, sort of. I'm not sure if it's meant to be motivational or frightening. The top of the poster has all this big text in capital letters. The kerning is a nightmare, though. That says, heaven will steal your penis. Crowley gestured with his hand in a broad arc to demonstrate the curve of the words. The gesture became wobblier than intended by virtue of the fact he was hopping on one foot to get out of his jeans while he did it. The bottom says, but in hell we will... Do something graphic and violent to your penis. Aziraphale guessed. Yes, but the specifics change every week. That's one demon's whole entire job, coming up with new threats for the penis posters. Crowley peeled off his own knickers, which were a bit wet in the crotch already from their earlier nonsense. He tossed them on top of his clothing pile. I think he watched The Wicker Man recently, though. Or something. The threads have all been bee-themed all year. Aziraphale started to laugh behind him, genuine and bright. He laughed harder when Crowley started to wiggle his hips. Crowley was going to stay turned around until Aziraphale was done undressing, but that didn't mean he couldn't make a nuisance of himself. <laughs> Careful! Aziraphale warned, chuckling. You don't want to dislocate something. If I didn't dislocate something in the 70s, Crowley said, gyrating his pelvis in an even wider arc, I'll survive annoying you for a few more seconds. The laughter helped Aziraphale. Helped them both, really. It made what they were doing feel more like a game than some deadly risk, some dire thing with the weight of its own significance bearing down their shoulders. In a lot of ways, it was a game. Crowley and Haziraphale had been enjoying one another's company for thousands of years now, and sometimes they enjoyed one another's company in a more literal physical sense. They fucked, sometimes, and it mattered. Of course it mattered. But it also didn't need to be some serious thing. They fucked, and they laughed, and Aziraphale lied to himself about what they were doing, and sometimes they laughed about that, too. Sometimes the excuses themselves were another layer to the game. It could be a game of proximity and daring, a game where they played with the limits of what they could say and what they couldn't. Of finding out what they could admit to while still keeping up the story. 
Other times, it was all about making each other laugh. Coming up with the funniest way to do things or to describe what they were doing. Competing with each other to find the most ridiculous pretenses and the silliest rationalizations. The laughter was all the more important because of how much it hurt Aziraphale to have to keep lying about any of this. How much he didn't want to, how much he hated the reality of his situation, of their situation. Crowley had understood from the beginning that loving an angel, that loving Aziraphale, meant loving someone who would always be reaching out to him from between the bars of a cage. They both did what they needed to in order to survive, and sometimes surviving meant laughing about the things neither of them could change. There was no one else that Crowley would let see him like this, all soft and sappy and silly. For Aziraphale, he did it without a second thought. If Crowley could blunt the sharpness of heaven's fangs for an hour or two by making a fool of himself for the angel, he'd do it gladly every time. It also felt novel, if not exactly wholly relaxing, to let himself lower his own walls. Like this, Crowley could set aside his own sense of cool detachment for an hour or two as well, that brittle chitin he had built around himself to try to protect himself from hell. It never felt safe to take off that armor, except when Aziraphale was the one watching him peel it back. Though the fool thing wasn't the worst idea he'd ever had, honestly. Crowley had been a fool for a little while, a proper one, long enough to whisper things in the right royal ears. He might still have the hats. The jingling bells would probably sound hilarious if Crowley were to wear it while taking it from behind. Especially if he could talk Aziraphale into giving him a good smack on the ass. All right, all right, Aziraphale said, and Crowley could hear the grin in his voice. Turn around. I would hate to put your skeleton's structural integrity at any further risk. Crowley looked back and fuck. If he lived another 6,000 years, he'd never get over the sight of Aziraphale like this pink-cheeked and smiling, sitting demurely on the edge of the bed with his ankles crossed like he was taking a bridal boudoir photoshoot or something. Stripped down to just his vest and socks and bloody sock garters, that magnificent ass of his filling out those shiny silky knickers. He had, Crowley noticed, already fitted the dildo into its slot, the bright blue shape of it in stark contrast to the white of the harness. You look good, Angel, Crowley admitted, taking a step closer. You look really, really good. Look who's talking, Aziraphale said, making a show of giving Crowley's naked body a lecherous once-over. Crowley, not one to be outdone, put on a show of his own and did a slow turn as he walked towards the bed, until he bumped into the bed and nearly fell on his ass. Aziraphale caught him by the elbows and helped him up onto the mattress. The angel had already folded those hideous blankets down to the foot of the bed, so Crowley landed on soft, high-threat-count sheets. Crowley leaned down and fished around in the briefcase, emerging with the purple sleeve in hand. His choice of toy was based on little more than the novelty of it. 
He'd never gotten fucked as a sea anemone before, aside from his own brief but enjoyable masturbatory experimentations yesterday. And he thought he might give it a go. Its purpose now served, Crowley kicked the case under the bed and out of the way. You ready? Crowley asked, checking Aziraphale's face for signs of lingering fear or uncertainty. He found nothing quite so bright as the curiosity shining in those storm-grey eyes. I suppose I am, Aziraphale said, looking between the sleeve in Crowley's hand and the dildo in his own. Cheers, Crowley said, and clinked the toys together like champagne glasses. He kissed the laughter from Aziraphale's lips and led them both down to the mattress until they were both lying face to face. It was the work of a quick demonic miracle for Crowley to pluck up some of the bits that passed for nerve endings inside his corporation and wire them into place inside the sleeve. Because Aziraphale had asked to touch his usual body too, he left the ones in his cunt alone, a benefit of being an unfathomably vast entity tucked away inside a roughly human-sized and shaped vessel was that he never ran out of material to work with. Everything felt like it had settled into place, but Crowley tested it anyway, sinking two of his fingers into the opening of the sleeve. He felt all of those little nubs inside it on the pads of his fingertips as he brushed past it, but he also felt the warmth of his fingertips against the walls of the toy, felt the way they stretched open this strange extension of his body and left it full. It felt very much like it did when he fingered himself in one of the usual places, but with an anatomical landscape that still felt unfamiliar. Yes, this would feel great when Aziraphale got around to fucking it. Crowley looked up to see Aziraphale's eyes wide and fixed on the sight of the toy in his hand. He saw the angel's throat work as he swallowed, his cheeks flushed and pink. Right, so that's me sorted, Crowley told him, setting the sleeve beside himself on the bed. There would be time for his own pleasure later. How do I do it? Aziraphale asked, looking down at the blue cock jutting from the front of his knickers. It's easy. Just close your eyes. Hold tight, Crowley said, wrapping Aziraphale's fingers around the silicon in a loose fist. Then, because he couldn't prevent himself from being a little shit under anything less than pain of torture, he added, And remember what you did to Howard Pinkler. Aziraphale's eyes popped open and immediately fixed Crowley with a glare. I'm going to murder you! Promises, promises, Crowley said, stroking the dildo up and down with his fingertips, grazing the back of Aziraphale's hand. But I'm not wrong. You do know how to do this. Gradually, Aziraphale's irritation faded, and he closed his eyes again, relaxing under the touch of Crowley's hand. Well, until the faint buzz of an angelic miracle thrummed through the silicon. Then Crowley's touch became anything but relaxing, if the way Aziraphale's hips bucked forward was any indication. Oh. Aziraphale sighed. That's... oh! Did it work? Crowley asked him, still stroking him with the lightest of touches. He changed up the pattern, though, brushing his fingers around the tapered head of the toy so he only touched silicon and not the angel's skin. Do you feel me? I 
do, that's... Oh, that's a wonderful trick. Aziraphale said, his hips pushing into Crowley's hand again. Crowley felt a surge of pride, sweeter and richer than any satisfaction he'd ever felt at the conclusion of some bad job done well. His plan was working. Beneath the silky fabric of Aziraphale's knickers, the angel's body was still as blank as it had been the day he was created. Parts of him were still absent, yes, taken, yes, but he could still feel. He could feel, and he liked it, and Crowley could make this good for him would make this good for him. Lie back, relax, Crowley murmured in the angel's ear. He put his other hand on Aziraphale's shoulder and gently rolled him until he was on his back, Crowley leaning over him. Not straddling him, not yet, but kneeling beside him. Through experience, Crowley knew that too much skin-to-skin -to -skin contact too soon could overwhelm the angel, so he'd be patient. I've got you, angel. Let me show you. Aziraphale nodded, spots of colour high on his cheeks. Can you... can you kiss me? Crowley leaned down and started covering the angel's mouth with kisses, always pulling away just before Aziraphale moved to deepen them. His hand kept up the light, teasing rhythm on Aziraphale's cock. The silicon was cool to the touch, especially when compared to the warmth of the angel's mouth, but Crowley hoped to fix that soon enough. You're horrible, Aziraphale told him, half pouting. Kiss me properly. How could Crowley hear such a thing and do anything but obey? He tilted his head and kissed Aziraphale deeply, the smile on his lips slow to melt even as he felt the angel's tongue gently sliding into his mouth. Then the angel was reaching around behind him, his fingers threading into Crowley's hair, tugging him closer, and Crowley discovered what it felt like to know pangs of arousal in both his cunt and in his bonus cunt, which was currently sitting on one of the pillows about seven inches to the left of Aziraphale's head. Without meaning to, he let out a low moan against Aziraphale's tongue. He felt Aziraphale take a quick, sharp breath in response, and then the angel's hands were grasping at his hips, palms hot against Crowley's bare skin, urging him closer, closer. Hauling him up and over, until he was lying across the angel's body, one leg on either side of Aziraphale's chest. Legs spread like the wanton thing he was, the cool air against the sweet, wet heat of his cunt. Was that proper enough for you? Crowley gasped, feeling as flushed as Aziraphale looked when they broke the kiss for air. I'm not sure, Aziraphale told him, breathless, even as that bastard sparkle returned to his eyes. I think we may need to try again, just to confirm. Right, of course, Crowley said, nodding seriously. The effect was somewhat ruined when Aziraphale seized a fistful of his hair again, making him close his eyes and hiss in pleasure, but he did his best. We sh should be thorough. 
Crowley kissed Aziraphale's throat, open-mouthed and hungry, and only brought their lips back together when he felt Aziraphale start to rock his hips beneath him. There was nothing there for him to rut against. Crowley's hand had been pulled away when Aziraphale had moved him, and right now Crowley was sitting just a bit too high up to provide friction of another sort. There would be time to find a better position later. Crowley rocked with him, licking into the angel's mouth as Aziraphale tugged at his hair like he knew drove Crowley wild. There were so many things they'd never been able to do before, so many things Crowley longed to try now that Aziraphale could feel them. Would he like it if Crowley knelt between his legs like this? Would he want to twist his hands in Crowley's hair and hold him there while he fucked his face? Make him swallow around cool silicon, jaw aching from the width of the bulge in the middle of the toy. The dildo nudged against Crowley's cunt as he rocked backwards, the head of it catching in his slick and dragging across swollen, sensitive flesh. Aziraphale repeated the motion again, moaning into Crowley's mouth at the relief of even the slightest bit of contact. It would feel so blessedly right. Crowley knew if he counted his hips just so. If he sunk down to the base and took all Aziraphale could give him. Instead, Crowley shifted his cunt back out of range again and reached for the sleeve. Aziraphale had been clear about what he wanted tonight, and Crowley didn't like the idea of abandoning that request in the heat of the moment. This wasn't a thing for them to tilt into by accident, not without Aziraphale asking for it directly. Not when he'd already told Crowley he didn't feel like he was ready for more. Hey. Crowley said, looking at the angel's face for any sign of discomfort. Were you still wanting to use two toys? Unfortunately, it seemed as though Aziraphale had already noticed his own near lapse in control. There was a trace of shame creeping into his previously blissful expression, the same kind of shame that appeared whenever Aziraphale came close to letting himself acknowledge the fact that he actively desired this one thing heaven had told him it was forbidden for him to want. I... I am, yes, Aziraphale mumbled, giving Crowley a self-conscious smile. He shook his head and opened his arms for Crowley to come closer, to resume as they had been, as if nothing had been amiss. Two, yes, please. Crowley leaned into the circle of the angel's arms. Two it is, then. Sorry, again, Aziraphale said, speaking his shame in short, hot whispers against Crowley's scar. Everything with me is so complicated. No, no, Crowley insisted, kissing him again. It's not complicated at all. You told me what you wanted, so we're doing that. What's so complicated about that? Aziraphale brushed Crowley's hair out of his face with gentle, clumsy fingers. What about what you want? Crowley tilted the sleeve in his hand, looking at it from all angles. Right now, I'm a bit curious about finding out what this feels like. If, if things were different, Aziraphale told him and flinched. He changed tracks, took on a tone like an apology. 
I'm not like you. I'm, I'm not built to break the rules. It's all right, Crowley said, brushing the angel's cheek with a thumb until Aziraphale closed his eyes and gave a shuddering sigh. You don't have to explain it. I get it. I know who we are. And I also know that we're very practiced by now at meeting in the middle. Compromising, Aziraphale said, and it looked like he was trying to pull himself together. Finding a mutually beneficial agreement, Crowley said, positioning himself over one of Aziraphale's thighs. Ready? he asked, and when Aziraphale nodded, he wrapped his hand around the angel's cock. Aziraphale groaned, quiet and needy, and pushed up into his touch. In answer, Crowley pushed down that hot spark of anger that had flared to life a moment before. It was the same anger that showed up whenever Crowley thought for too long about the way heaven had treated its best angel. Anger, though, wouldn't help right now. If the righteous anger of one demon were enough to strike back against heaven, there would be no need for a final battle in the end times. Heaven would have been eaten by hell long ago. No, Crowley knew that the only thing Anger would do right now would be to stoke the guilt Aziraphale was feeling, and that wouldn't do at all. Aziraphale deserved to feel loved and wanted and safe. And as much as Crowley hated heaven, Aziraphale needed him to play by the rules, at least in name only. If it had happened the other way around, if Hell had been the ones who had banished everyone's fun bits and threatened them with bodily harm if they made new ones, Crowley would have made himself genitals within the week if he thought he could have gotten away with it. No doubt, no hesitation, just gleeful rule-breaking. Over time, Crowley probably would have developed a kink for making himself an effort in secret because, honestly, the defiance angle was kind of hard. It was with Aziraphale, at least. Though everything with Aziraphale was hot, to the point that Crowley struggled to imagine something that wouldn't be hot with Aziraphale. Of course, Heaven was heaven and hell was hell, so they did things differently. Heaven required rigid, unthinking loyalty to a set of unquestionable ideas. Hell, being made by and for rule-breakers, required the exact same thing, but with a patina of rebel aesthetics smeared over the top a different paint job, a different set of acceptable workplace attitudes. Heaven expected you to fall in line and be happy about it, while hell expected you to fall in line and be miserable about it, and then go off and take that misery out on those around you. Naturally, it could only have been heaven that decided enforcing company-wide chastity and uniform anatomical compliance was a good idea. Hell, for its part, just liked to remind everyone that their control over their own anatomy could be taken from them at any moment. Violently. That's why heaven did a ban, while hell went to the trouble of sending Baal Fox, the poster guy, to a few graphic design seminars and put him to work threatening everyone's dicks with bees. But just as heaven was heaven and hell was hell, so too could it be said that Crowley was Crowley and that Aziraphale was Aziraphale. Crowley liked being a rule-breaker. In fact, he prided himself on being one. Aziraphale didn't. 
Aziraphale's sense of his own worth hinged on the condition that he followed the rules perfectly. There was no space for rule-breakers in heaven, not even accidental rule-breakers. There was no way to be a bad angel, or at least that's what heaven had trained Aziraphale to think. Either you were good, or you weren't an angel. As much as it chafed to spend so much of his time towing the line of heaven's rules, Crowley refused to be the one to smash them. It had to be up to Aziraphale to decide when he wanted to break those rules. How he did it. If he ever wanted to. That was the angel's choice, not Crowley's. Crowley knew from experience that the only thing worse than making the wrong choice was having your choices taken from you, and Crowley refused to follow Heaven's lead on that one.